thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with me, your host, Kat. This week I am joined by host of the Beauty of Horror podcast, Chandler Bullock. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. Thank you. I'm doing quite well. Really happy to be here. I am really excited that you're here. You have such a wonderful podcast voice. <laughs> I do try. It's It's taken... A lot of acting training to get to this voice, but uh, I figured I'd use it for for good, basically. Yes, the beautiful horror podcast space. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about your podcast and your content. Sure. Yeah. So the podcast is a funny little story. It's based on my master's thesis. It's a program that I've been working on for quite a long time. I actually started studying it pretty late because I moved to the Netherlands at around the age of 18. And you can't really do much if you don't have European rights within Europe. So as an American, they were like, you know, just sit on your ass for a while and then maybe we'll consider you able to contribute to society. (laughs) So I could work, but I couldn't study and stuff like that without paying like American prices. So, uh, so fun thing. So in the Netherlands, the yearly fee for education if you're european is around two thousand euros oh wow and if you're american it's 10 <gasps> so the same price as it is in the united states to study so i was like oh well, my gosh i had no plans on doing that so <laughs> uh i had uh at the time i was in a relationship that we kind of like fast-tracked a marriage to get me to stay and also because we you know we were fine <laughs> so we were like wow let's just do this uh and so yeah i stayed long enough to study with the cheap price so i was like 24 when i started my bachelor and then i hit the masters just fine but then things just kind of like took a turn for me emotionally and i just had to take a very long sabbatical so i'm I'm wrapping up the masters now and i'm working on philosophy within film so the masters is about just general media studies and culture but because it's a research masters it's very broad you get to kind of fill in the gaps the way you want to and it sounds beautiful it. to me. <laughs> it was very beautiful. I'm very happy with the freedom. And I took a course to kind of get back into it after the sabbatical, which was the beautiful in film. And I was really scared because I was like, I don't know. I've had a lot of emotional problems with studying and we'll see how this goes. And I nailed it. I, I really oh, liked awesome. that course. So I decided to hit that teacher up to be my supervisor and I'm working on a thesis on the, beautif- uh, the beauty of cosmic horror. Since I figured Ooh. the cosmos is kind of beautiful in its own yeah. right. And um, I'm also very busy with a lot of work and other things in the meanwhile. So I figured, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something that contributes to my work in a way that also keeps me focused on my thesis. So the podcast is me kind of having conversations like we're going to have today, just getting to know people, networking a bit. Also, if the podcast builds steam, at least I have a platform for other people to you know, say their piece while also exploring the philosophy of beauty in horror since neither beauty so beauty isn't talked about a lot in general in film mm. sure as hell isn't talked about in the terms of horror very often. no <laughs> so it's like challenge accepted so and that's and I so think funny because that, a lot yeah. of us find horror movies so beautiful especially in <laughs> in the horror community we're just like oh god that was a beautiful film you hear it all the time, and I'm so happy people have taken to it. You know, the conversations we've had so far have been 
Well, beautiful. They've been very nice. Yeah. Um, well, you have an episode with Prince coming up talking about Come True. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, yes, I freaking love that movie and that soundtrack. So nice. It's such an... I'm buying the vinyl hopefully soon. Oh, you should. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful it's soundtrack. Out. Like, is it pre-order already for the vinyl? Um, in Australia, it's pre-order. Australia. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got to get it from I, a distributor here. <laughs> whenever I find a copy, I need to get my hands on it. It's such um, a good movie. I think Mondo are doing it, or maybe Waxworks. Oh, I'm not better. sure. <laughs> Either. Either is wonderful. So. Yeah. I think it might oh, be yeah. Waxworks, because this one distributor in, down here um, does a lot of the Waxwork, uh, Waxwork okay. records horror scores. So that might be that. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that. Uh, that, that movie's just... I love that. I'm going to watch that when when we're finished. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> easy movie to watch as well. Yeah. That's what I love about it. It, it doesn't, blew my like, mind. It doesn't really impose itself too much on you. And yet somehow if you really focus on it, you're just like, Whoa, the whole way through. <laughs> so. And the, uh, the lead actress in it, she, she's great. Like she nailed it. Yeah. how she shows like her, um, like, uh, like her stages, of i don't know like not degrade but dissension into this questioning mm -hmm. her reality kind of thing yeah and then the ending you're just like wait what <laughs> the, the ending was such a surprise for me yeah it was one of those that at first i didn't really know how i felt about it and then they had the because they had the two reveals so when you have that second reveal it's like oh this movie i started clapping like this, this <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> I just did like a whole fuck yeah from my bed and then I also had to Google heaps of what did the ending of Come True mean for you? Because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to read what other people thought about it. That's what I love about horror is all these different um, like interpretations and um, examinations and analysis of all these films and it's just like as a, a sociologist that's what my undergrad is like that's mm. like one of my favorite things about film is like what did it mean to you what did it say to you and we're coming from very similar places since i come from a more you know philosophical standpoint but obviously you can't really learn any sort of film theory or cultural theory without getting a lot of overlap there and intersection yeah. between sociology and philosophy and stuff so uh, I think we actually had a sociology course somewhere thrown in that was mandatory just so that we knew how to do the sort of archaeological work alongside yeah. of it to really look at all the research it. and mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> the fun uh, stuff. Really interesting. The fun stuff, the empirical research. So, so good, so fun. <laughs> it was my, oh, I loved research subjects. I wish that <laughs> me back in my third year of university, because we had lots of our research projects in that year, that I was, oh, as much of a horror lover as what I am now. Okay, so wait, that would have been so much more recent, fun. Recent taste for you then? No, not necessarily. It's just like a more. I realized where my passion is. Right. And so I'm just like taking it and absolutely just fucking running with it. And that's great. I don't know. I was Love just it. very in a box for a yeah. lot of my life, and I feel you. Yeah, the last five years, like, I've become very confident with my identity and my sexuality and my love of things and how I dress and how I speak. And it's just really cool. And, yeah, horror movies is a really big part of that. And I'm sure it is for you as well. Always has been, yeah. I think there was a time that it was one of my big shames because nobody else gave a shit. And then <laughs> you just kind of... It's amazing how you can be into anything and be considered a stupid nerd. 
if people yeah. just don't get it. <laughs> I've known people who have been into things like, well, for instance, I have a colleague who's into cryptocurrencies and stuff, and there, there are two different types of cryptocurrency people. You have like your stock market people, and then you have just nerds that just won't shut the hell up about it and aren't really <laughs> making money on it either. And I'm like, yeah, okay, now I understand how people felt when I was talking about horror movies all the time. Yeah. My partner's <laughs> like, I'm doing this with crypto. And he, he understands what he's doing. And I'm just like, oh, that's just. Exactly. That's I have $20 of Dogecoin and that's all I care about. Oh, wow. I don't have any. And I <laughs> sometimes hate it. Sometimes I'm like, I don't need it. Whatever. Yeah, sometimes when I see people are like, I made 200 bucks. I was like, fuck, I wish I had something. Yeah. I wish I had a stake in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me something. Um, <laughs> so you chose, uh, we'll dive into our movie because this is there's mm-hmm. a lot to talk about with this film. So you so chose much. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 Toby Hooper release. Do I say his his first name right? Is it Toby? Toby. It's Toby. It is Toby? Yeah. Okay. Not Toby. I know a lot of T-O-B-Y Tobys. So that's why I'm like, yeah. is it Toby? It's... In, an interesting spelling for it, but it is Toby Hooper, yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, <laughs> good, I'm glad. <laughs> so why did you choose this one? This movie is such a weird kind of perpetual thing in my life. It's one of the first quote-unquote extreme horror films I ever saw, because if you get into extreme horror, this is just puppy stuff eventually. But Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But for me, I think I was around... 13 or 14 the first time i saw it it was around the time that the remake came out so like in 2003 and so i must have been a little older but uh i saw that one first because i saw the trailers and commercials on tv all the time i was like oh my god so so, oh that's the third one oh that's the third one is it yeah i get them always mixed up i saw that one once on tv i think as a small child not realizing what i was watching (laughs) you're Uh, just like (laughs) like wow these people are (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why, but I feel very weird watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, with the remake, uh, I forget who all was in. Jessica Biel. She was Je- uh, that's one. the Jessica Biel one. Okay, yes. Yeah. I thought so. And I was just like, oh, the grime, the dirt of it. I was really into it. It was all wet and just had this aesthetic. I'm like, oh, this is new. I haven't seen anything like this before. So I got the DVD from a friend of my mom for my birthday. Because they were like, okay, we got you a DVD player. You're into horror. We're not able to stop it. So let's just get you some yeah. movies. And she also got me the special edition of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's this so is cool. when you can tell people don't know what they're buying. Because <laughs> I had just very quiet evenings of just staring at the screen. Like, I don't know if anybody knows this, but I've just traumatized myself <laughs> watching this movie alone. Uh, I just this dumpy little kid in, you know, rural Mississippi and just had no life experience or world experience. So I'm just like, well, I know some people who live like this, but they sure as hell aren't this bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it was very recognizable to me and I don't know what it was about it at the time, but I just was, I watched it again and then I watched it again and I hated it so much. Every time I watched this movie at the time, I was just so repulsed by it. Yeah, but it was the only movie apart from maybe like the Blair Witch Project that kind of got that part of my brain of like, I don't know if what I'm watching is real or not. Yeah, so that's what I think originally got me. But then after you watch something long enough, you start to just find what you like, and you start to like lean in favor of certain characters and stuff. 
And I just wondered, as I got older, like, what does it say about me that I think Leatherface is probably the most sympathetic character in this movie? <laughs> and then the more I studied it, I'm like, oh, because he is. Okay. No, just He's he exploited, you know? basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, as I started to study more and learn more about sociopolitical readings of films, and I think we studied, just to introduce us to film theory, we studied the Night of the Living Dead as a oh of course yeah george romero and i mean the logical next step if you're a film like horror film buff is i'm gonna go rewatch the texas chainsaw massacre (laughs) which has a very similar aesthetic and see if i can see anything in this movie and it just opened up and i just find it such a fascinating rich film in so many different ways and of course as i started to open up about my own sexuality and, and 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 my identity as well I started to see even more stuff in there. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of identity politics in this film as well. And I don't even know if I knew about it. So I just yeah, think absolutely. it's a fantastic film. Like, that's why. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's like a, a film that I'm like, oh, I love this movie. But I mm-hmm. love what it's saying about the time that it was written and made and the, the contextual aspects to it. And right. I will still tell people, yeah, go watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, I everyone's you know a lot of people are like it's one of the greatest horror films of all time and yeah I can see that but it wouldn't be on my list of greatest horror films of all time totally and that's different. fine <laughs> yeah there's a lot of scenes where I'm very uncomfortable um where I'm very like uh I don't know if I can keep watching this and like I said to you I hadn't watched it in a gazillion years so re-watching right. it I was just like did I just block out a lot of this from my brain where I didn't want to think about it ever again <laughs> I can imagine that your brain did do that. I mean, that like that uncom like that uncomfort, that discomfort is exactly I think what drew me in though is because I'm one yeah. of those weird addicts when it comes to horror. Like I got into horror because I was very sensitive and easy to frighten and kind of disturb. Oh, so yeah. when I saw something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I had a lot to process. But it was the first time in a long time that something did that to me when you're kind of picked on and bullied and targeted a lot in your social environments you do build up a bit of a tolerance for oh yeah people being mean to each other basically so it has to be violent as hell and then you go Whoa! i feel like that's the same for <laughs> yeah. me like uh growing up in um a home that was you know my home environment was quite violent with my mother and her partner's um, when I was younger, my parents had separated. And so it takes a lot of violence and brutality for me to be like, okay, I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and these days as well, if you watch a lot of horror movies, then the bar just goes higher and higher and higher. And yeah. it's really the ones that hit you, probably hit you for a reason, and they just don't ever stop hitting you on some level. This movie yeah. always hits me at some point. I mean, it doesn't scare me so much anymore, but it does. Yeah. It's always uncomfortable, no matter mm. what. It's an uncomfortable movie. Yeah. It definitely has to be more of a psychological horror for me to be like, oh, that's right. hit me really hard. I don't like that. <laughs> I do love a good psychological horror, yes. <sighs> There's a couple of new ones coming out soon, and I wish I could remember the name of them, but I read it and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to watch the shit out of that. <laughs> I mean, the new Candyman, that's the one for oh, me. So like, you get for that. supernatural <laughs> slash psychological horror and you just melt my brain and I'm in for it. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. It's going to be mm-hmm. beautiful. Yep. Oh, yes. Uh, so, let's, uh, let's 
I, bleh, bleh. It's nine o'clock here, everybody, PM. I'm normally in bed, but I've had a coffee, so my mouth is just like... Bleh, 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 bleh. Anyway, about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is a 1974 American slasher. I don't know if I'd call it a slasher. I wouldn't. No, thanks. Contentious. IMDB. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's directed by Toby Hooper and written and co-produced by Hooper and Kim Hengel. It stars Marilyn Burns, Paul A. Partain, Edward Neal, Jim Sadow. That's not how it's Sado, isn't it? Or is it Sadow? Jim Sadow? I, I honestly don't know. I think they both sound uh, plausible sound, to me. Yeah, that's why I was like, yeah. I don't know. Sido? Uh, yeah, maybe. And Gunnar Hansen, who uh, respectively portrays Sally Hardesty, Franklin Hardesty, the hitchhiker, the proprietor, and Leatherface. I love that they don't really give the, the Sawyer family names. <laughs> it's just... You know, the- one of them has a the name that you don't ever hear in the film. You hear his name in the sequel, which I think is hilarious to me. Yes, so. that's so weird. So uh, the film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their visit to their old homestead. The film is marketed as being based on true events to attract a wider audience and to act as a subtle commentary on the political climate at the time. Although the character of Leatherface and the minor story details were inspired by the crimes of the murderer Ed Gein, its plot is largely um, fictional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody... It was the Nixon era. So Exactly. I mean, you could make a pretty wild story about just about any aspect of the Nixon era in America. Absolutely. Uh, Ed Gein. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ed Gein. Ed Gein was, was he the 70s or was he, I think he was earlier in the 60s, maybe, maybe even 50s. Uh, yeah, I think he was early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And well, he, he only murdered still... two people, everyone. Actually, no. Yeah. Uh, did he murder, he murdered his mum? Mm, yes, or did he just dig and... up her grave? I just I mean, dig I up her grave. I used to know the details pretty well, but yeah, most yeah. of it was grave robbing. And I do think it started with him digging up a family member out of a like supplement. Yeah. And then he yeah. just realized, I like these accessories and just kind of like. <laughs> just I like it. my rib cage lampshade. It looks fucking dope. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if they made. If. If they made. Uh, like. A fucking what's the word when they make a a fake one? Faux. Yeah, that's that's not the word I'm thinking of. Oh, no. I can't come. No. A a copy. A replica. Knockoff. Replica. Thank you. I was almost <laughs> there to myself. Yeah. If they made a replica of that nightshade, of that lampshade, I would have it in my fucking room. There you go. And that's the thing. Like I think that this movie, the moments <laughs> that they got from Ed Gein aesthetically. Yeah. Like, I mean, the movie demonstrates just how freaking cool a lot of this artwork looks. <laughs> so, yeah. We do not condone grave robbing. Not but... at all. Please carve some wood, make it look like bones. You know? Yeah, paint it. Paint something. Paint, paint skulls on something. Some polymer. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um. What's that other thing that people are really into? The clear stuff that's like glue, but then it hardens. Polymax? No. Okay, that's the stuff we use at work. Might be. Well, yeah, I don't you know can put like glitter and stuff in it. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that. But you know, safe. Make some fucking earrings. <laughs> yeah, you can go to a dentist office, get some, you know, model baby teeth, teeth or something. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go nuts, but don't go actually nuts. Like, yeah, 
we don't want to see that. We don't want to be visiting you in a psychiatric ward. No. Unless something happens. Yeah. We'll support you anyway. So all I'm saying is I don't agree with Dean's no practices, but if, <laughs> if I indeed were left with like a mandible and it was a functional ashtray, I'm like, I have I an ashtray that's just made of skulls right now. Like I went to a, a skull sanctuary, like a little like bone churchyards. Oh, it was a, it's a place where they just repurpose the dead to make it decorative because they ran out of space and people actually like donate their bodies for it. So it's a really wonderful pr- practice. Whole Holy fuck, that blows my in, mind! In Prague, it's amazing. But then they had like, little commemorative uh, ashtrays that were just like carved out skulls to make it look the way they've decorated the interior. I'm like, God, skulls? I get it. Like, it's. Oh my god. It's cool decoration, you know? It's illegal like, to have any human bones yeah. in Australia unless you have a license. Yes. Like uh, a scientific license. The same in Europe as well. I'm not too sure. I know in America, you can actually get them off the market. I, I have them in like yeah. Facebook groups where they're like, hey, I've got a femur over here for like 500 bucks. I wouldn't trust Americans. Uh, where uh, did you get that femur from? Yeah, I wouldn't trust anybody like hawking bones on the internet. No. So. <laughs> Oh, true. I guess any <laughs> anyway. So, how do you have the supply? <laughs> <laughs> Who did you get that from? Mm. Who are you covering for? <laughs> um, so, uh, the director Toby Hooper claims that he got the idea for the film while standing in the hardware store section of a crowded, um, like I'm guessing, like a Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. And while thinking of a way to get through the crowd, he spotted the chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> What an interesting concept. <laughs> so beautiful. So yeah. just sheer capitalistic frustration just made yeah. you like, I'm going to make a movie about this. I need to get it out. Fuck, I hate everyone. I'm going to chainsaw through the place. Which is hilarious <laughs> for a movie that doesn't have a single body part severed on camera. Yeah. Actually, I found that really interesting that there was barely any blood, except mm-hmm. for um, during Sally's... Uh, few last few scenes and that was it yeah there's a bit hmm. with franklin's death but yeah you can't quite see it so it's very artistically do you, done well do you know why they did that or is that because toby hooper didn't want an r18 rating he wanted yeah. pg-13 and he still got an r18 <laughs> or worse pg we didn't have pg-13 yet so oh really this would have been pg-13 i think well, i don't know it's pretty disturbing probably still would have gotten an r but they were trying to go for the Jaws rating. Jaws got PG because it's yeah. still family friendly in tone, but it had a lot of blood and stuff in it. That movie oh, stopped me from Spielberg being able to. S- <laughs> I couldn't swim in the deep end of my own swimming pool because of that movie. Something about John Williams instantly makes your movie kid friendly, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> there's some whimsy there at the end of the film when they're chasing there is. the shark and stuff. The soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. But they were going for that and. I loved how the ratings board were just like, you're, they're cannibals, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're giving you the R just from the sheer subject matter. I'm sorry. They're like, well, shit, I could have made a much more graphic Fuck! film if I'd known this. I could have yeah. used my whole budget. <laughs> they went insane on set. Literally, like, had mental problems with, how, with all the heat and stuff of just yeah. trying to make everything just more immersively effective than gross mm. out. I'm sure he was pissed that he could like so I could have just made it quicker and then been done with it and all. Yeah, <laughs> I could have had some blood and guts. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. That would have been. Uh, I would have been 
Oh, if I was like, so I swear there has to be a special job on horror movies where you're like the blood director. I want to be that person. Well, I mean, if you think, do you know the series Dexter? Yeah. Well, you see your splatter specialists. I can imagine they can get somebody who has an expertise like that for a film to make sure that the splat kind of. Yeah, I just want to splat blood everywhere. I just literally just want to be like, "Mm, mm, mm," throw tanks of blood everywhere. That's all I want to do. Oh yeah, I've been in a very low budget found footage movie that we it was kind of like we it was a riff on superhero stuff, but like Batman style because we didn't have a budget. So we're like, oh, we're gonna do like <laughs> martial arts instead of graphics. And so we had a moment where we had like a fake hand made for somebody because we had this really big beefy villain in it, and he just grabs the guy's hand and just bends it backwards and just and like I get hit in the nose at one point, so we have all this blood and stuff. The way they do it is hilarious. We get a paintbrush and just go like onto your face to see if yeah it make it spurt the way it went out of your face i'd have so much fun doing that <laughs> it's so cold too <laughs> i don't know what it is with me in, in blood effects i'm just like that's beautiful <laughs> hey everybody's got their specialization so now you know your career path going forward blood yes specialist. not a teacher blood specialist on horror movies yeah. there you go <laughs> Um, Destiny. Destiny. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is considered one of the greatest and most controversial horror films of all time. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Why did Roger Ebert is so much bigger than that? I don't understand why I put that. Um, Said it was as violent and gruesome as uh, and blood-soaked as the title promises. What year did you write this? Where was all the blood? We just talked about Mm -hmm. this. Roger Ebert had a tendency to be a bit hyperbolic with his emotions. Uh, often he would just write down half his disdain and then just say things were in movies when they weren't. I don't get a lot of his reviews for horror movies. Like, some of them like I really those, like, and then some I'm yeah. like, excuse me? <laughs> like, if he's reviewing Spielberg, I'm like, this is a beautiful review. I see why people yeah. love you. You're reviewing Toby Hooper. I'm like, dude, why don't you even pick these movies up? You don't like yeah. them. Oh, I have a big so. thing with people who don't like horror movies reviewing horror movies. Yeah. How can you be critical to something if all you're going to be is critical? Yeah. Yeah. So. Very important to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Patrick Taggart, Tag- Tag- Taggart of, I've got to remember that I don't pronounce my R's the same way Americans do. So <laughs> sometimes my words don't sound right. Um, of the Taggart. <laughs> Taggart of the Austin American Statesman hailed it as the most important horror film since George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, who mm-hmm. <laughs> my grandma says that film terrified her. And I was like, Grandma, I love this movie. I'm going to show it to my four-year-old niece. I haven't yet, but I'm going to show her. <laughs> the Night of the Living Dead, you mean? Yeah. Or Yeah. It's, She'll be fine. I've, it's an intense movie, but I think a four-year-old would just find it funny. Um, She's watched Halloween. 2018 she's, Halloween. She's got people eating meat out of people's bodies. Yeah, she should be fine with that. <laughs> she's That's just like 2021. Eh. They've seen worse. She's probably seen worse on YouTube or Roblox, to be honest. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um. So I was reading um a little bit on the Wikipedia. So Professor of English Tony Magistrali believes that the film paved the way for horror to be used as a vehicle for social commentary. So what Tony uh, Magistrali was saying was that the film was highly representative of the disintegration of the nuclear family throughout the 1970s. And mm-hmm. and that article that I shared with you um, from uh, uh, an 
a writer called Joe Core on a Mandy Sweats on Medium, um, who wrote quite an interesting, uh, like we both discussed this earlier, there were some parts mm-hmm. that we really liked, some parts we were a bit like, eh. But yeah. um, they do talk about this disintegration of the nuclear family and how the removal of um, the, the, the female role in the social contract yeah. basically caused this family to descend into madness through like uh masculinity and like a like patriarchal kind of craziness in a way Mm. i found that very interesting the focus on the nuclear family i will say some of that analysis indeed i felt a little differently on just from other research that i've had from the film mainly their interpretation of how leatherface's role within the family was because i always read it they were talking about Leatherface being forced into that kind of motherly role, whereas, I don't know, I just saw Leatherface is doing and doing their thing, and, you know, like, they're the ones who decided to wear the masks for the particular situations, and they were being yeah. uppity in the kitchen, too, like, rrr, rrr, get out of my kitchen, and all that, so I, I think that it was a <laughs> I great... actually really find those scenes endearing, so in a way. Yeah, <laughs> like, I really feel are. empathetic, because I was like, oh, I get it, like, I've been yeah. there. That's been my family before. <laughs> well, and I They're not cannibals. That's exactly but... <laughs> what is so powerful about the film sometimes is that we do see this weird, empathetic part of this vicious family yeah. who have stalked these kids throughout the entirety of the film. And it's maybe hard to pick up on the first viewing for me. I was just like, I guess it was just, it really like that home invasion angle that they're talking about when you see it from Leatherface aside, I thought was yeah. easier to see the first time. It's the like second, third viewing that I noticed like, no, y'all also like manipulated every single part of their journey to end up at that house, didn't you? Yeah. Like when the moment you knew they didn't have gas, we're like, we got one. <laughs> it was kind of yeah. <laughs> the situation. The there. moment like that they went into the farmhouse, I was like, don't go in somebody's house. And then yeah. when you know Kirk is grabbed, I'm like, well, that's what you get. That's what you get for going into a murderer's house. That's what happens to you. Remind me, Karma. did you say where <laughs> the kids are from? Because I know that Sally and Franklin are from Texas, but they don't live there anymore. Uh, no, it just says rural Texas. They, okay. they don't discuss where they've come from. They're just passing through. And I, yeah. I do think that that was a wonderful exploration of how people from outside of rural environments can treat it like a kind of weird tourist destination. And people's homes are suddenly like these, these ruins to go explore and stuff. And people they, don't have oh. privacy anymore. Yeah. They think, oh, people here don't even lock their doors. Like, well, <laughs> we only have like raccoons to deal with, not you. So. Yeah, get the fuck out. <laughs> um, um, another another uh, part of the social commentary of the film that I found really interesting, and this is like something that I studied quite in depth at mm-hmm. university, is the boom of technology and how it displaced so much of the working blue collar class yeah. in basically every western country you can imagine mm-hmm. um especially during the 60s and 70s and so the sawyer family are basically these displaced um very like they've become low socioeconomic yeah. so therefore you know um they've they're put in this uh below the teenage like below the teenagers intruders 
social class, so they're less important. They're yeah. they're given this lower status in society, and and we see that throughout the film, especially the way that they're treated by the group of adult young adults, uh, mm-hmm. the way they're spoken to, um, the way they refer to them, especially the hitchhiker afterwards. Um, oh yeah, calling him Dracula yeah. and stuff to his face. It's like yeah, and it's just like so you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't treat someone that you consider an equal that way. And so it's really interesting to see how it's portrayed throughout the film. Well, it also shows that kind of yuppie attitude that was kind of forming at the time, especially in the mid-70s. We were coming off of the hippie movement, which you have one or two of the people in the group are clearly emulating their parents who are hippies. Yeah. They're They're not real hippies. Like They don't really care about anything. They're not protesting anything. They're just like... Oh yeah, Saturn's in retrograde, and oh wow! Well, You're like, do you but know what that means? Treat, they treat their disabled friend like shit the whole way yeah. through. I know he's a whiny dude, but I mean, the dude's paralyzed from the leg down. I would whine a little bit of more than. Oh, Franklin cracks well. me up. <laughs> like, what a poor, what a poorly treated person. Poor, yeah, poor it's Franklin. really fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. And then he's also one of my major gripes is how Franklin is written in the film hmm. as a disabled person as well. So I was just like, that's really frustrating. Yeah. He's the butt of the joke a lot, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And yeah, the, but I will say it does fall in line with that commentary that is being made by Hooper throughout it. Since, you know, he stated in a lot of interviews later that he was kind of going more for a tone that he achieved in the sequel to the film, but because okay. of budget, it's like you had that gritty, almost, documentary style filmmaking out of necessity which made it just horrifying to watch and maybe he just leaned in the horror a little bit more than he had anticipated because yeah. he saw it as a satire he thought it was hilarious yeah oh there's a lot of it that i find incredibly satirical um this article that i shared with you talks a lot about like marxist feminist theory and i was like yeah. that's that's i i love that because <laughs> um uh the most see we didn't really dive into a lot of marxist feminist theory but i know from this perspective this is where they're talking about like social contracts and um like the 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 patriarchal struggle of the sawyer family now that they don't have any women in their family (laughs) um and and but marxist marx does talk about um uh like unpaid and paid home duties and stuff throughout the working class and um so it's really interesting that they're able to bring that in and it's just like did this woman just pack up and leave and be like nah fuck you guys i am out (laughs) that's an interesting thing as well so that was one mistake that i felt that the article made was their assumption on the roles of the different characters because they talk about drayton and they mention that drayton is the father when it's established in the sequel drayton's just an older brother they don't have parents. Yeah. <clears throat> they have grandpa and grandma. They do not have uh, parents. Oh, okay. Because I did assume also that he was the father. I did on my first... Uh, excuse me. Okay. You're in my throat. I did on my <laughs> first viewings as well. And the more I read about it, and then I heard about with the, the sequel where he flat out mentions his relationship. So yeah, he does say stuff. Uh... It's just the way he treats them. He acts like he's the patriarch of the family, but really he's just yeah. the older brother who wants to be the patriarch of the family. Uh, Asserting his... And that's why Leatherface (laughs) takes on this matriarchal position around dinner time and other... Because 
nobody goes into the abattoir. Nobody gets involved in what Leatherface does because Leatherface is the boss at what yeah. Leatherface does. The hitchhiker is probably the only one who doesn't have a lot of skills, who's just like hanging around. This little, <laughs> yeah, he's like this little puppy. He's like Scrappy-Doo. He's like, hey man, yeah, I'm here. Come on, let's do that. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to do next? To be there. What do we do now? He's, he's a typical younger brother who's just happy yeah. to be involved with everybody's things. You can see he's the youngest. And Drayton is Leatherface the Leatherface is totally a middle child. Totally. Leatherface is just doing their <laughs> shit. Like, whatever. I'll hold the whole family together. It's fine. Fuck you guys. I'm fucking done. <laughs> Alright, fine. Ugh. As long as I get faces, I am content. I'll just... Oh, those masks throughout. Um, the one he, that they wear to dinner... With the mm, wig mm. is my I ultimate favorite thing in the whole entire world. Love Probably it. my favorite also, horror movie mask. With a suit as well. That's yeah. so beautiful. I love it. Perfection. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I do see the satire. Mm -hmm. And I feel then that, so that reading of them missing a female or, or womanly you know, force there, a feminine force, like, I don't know, Leatherface kind of fulfills that yeah. role pretty well. And I also didn't feel I agreed with the reading that their violence comes from this lack of that physical kind of currency, as they almost kind of put it. With how, yeah, you know, as if it's I'm, like a sexual, psychosexual kind of thing. They're so asexual, though. Cause yeah. There's even a moment when Sally's tied up. Now, I know we're getting ahead of in, in, in the plot and everything, but the moment when Sally's tied up, she says, like, please, please, I'll do anything. She's trying to put on, like, if I have to, I will put on the womanly charms Man, just, and, and get care. the fuck out of here. And they're just like, we're going to eat you. Like, that is the only, you are meat. That is all I need from you. Your me. food. I don't so, give a fuck. Yeah. They are capitalist business people. They don't really have a sex drive, from what I can tell from the film. I yeah, no, I absolutely just, agree. Yeah, I really don't find anything sexual throughout the whole film. In any not way, even or form. the yeah, not even the youngsters. They're like they. There's the one moment where you have Kirk and I think her name's Pam when they want to go down to the lake. Of course, that could yeah. have turned into your typical sexual slasher moment, but there's no lake. So then they're just worried about the practical thing of getting out of this hot yeah. hellhole. <laughs> and I kind of appreciate that because I feel like, oh, actually, you know what? I've watched a lot of 80s horror films over the last week mm -hmm. and none of them were super sexual. And I was like, oh, this is such a relief. Things you will know when a movie's sexual in the 80s and the 70s. Like, they were not coy about that. So I think a oh, lot God, of times no. people try like they conflate it a little bit just because maybe you have like a similar camera aesthetic or something to a film but it's amazing how many films really didn't care about putting a lot of sex in their stuff oh, it's just refreshing because i'm just like oh, i'm so sick of the girl is the sex thing and that's what she's gonna be in this film and the dude is this and i'm just like oh. So many of the early 2000s horror films definitely fall into that. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, I can't watch that right now. You can tell a lot of those people were fans of a very specific type of 80s film and a very specific aspect of those films. And then just kind of like, this is what horror is. So they're going to take oh. like the cheesiest Friday the 13th, but not look at the first two movies. They're only going to look yeah. at like... Part hey, six. listen here. Yeah. Part three. I was going to say, don't you say anything about part three. I will come for you. That's my one, favorite one. <laughs> okay, two's my personal. Also, no, my personal favorite is Jason Takes Manhattan, but two's my my favorite story. Of do you know what, what my uh, real personal three. favorite is? What is it? It's Freddy vs. Jason. I love it. 
I love it. I love that yes. movie. It's so ridiculous. I love it. It's, it's the best. It's just a great celebration of both franchises yeah. and their totality. Yeah. Um, and the soundtrack. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I put it on just for funsies in the car, oh, yeah. driving to work. Oh, and I'm it's like, solid. Fuck yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> the start of the film. Opening credits prologue. And I loved this because I had forgotten about this part. Oh, yeah. um, or maybe it parts. wasn't. Yeah, or maybe it wasn't in the film that I don't know. Australia's weird. Like it got refused classification. Mm-hmm. So this released in 1974. It took 10 years to be released in Australia. Wow. Yeah, because our classification board was like, no. 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 And no again. So I think it got denied mm-hmm. four times and then oh on the fifth. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, it was a mess. Not that I was alive then to be upset about it but yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, i didn't care um so the opening credits prologue is uh, a man narrating or is it just words i can't remember is he narrating uh he's narrating over the text yes so there's text scrolling and it says the film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths in particular sally hardesty and her invalid brother i hate that word franklin it is all the more tragic in that they were young but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see such a, such as much of the mad and macabre as what they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. Uh, the event, uh, blah, 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 This is what I was talking about earlier. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the, the annals of America. Is that the word? Annals? Annals. Annals. What does that mean? Uh, the past. Oh, okay. Of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, um, Hooper basically did this with the intention of providing misinformation to people. So he wanted to present it as this film you see is true. Yeah. Because at the time, during this Nixon era, Watergate was happening, there was a 1973 oil crisis, and also the Vietnam War. Uh, The political and cultural landscape of America at that time, I don't know about Australia, um, was that a lot of misinformation was happening. Hmm. So I think he was playing on that concept that he's just like... Isn't it amazing how things totally change and don't at all just stay the same? And they don't totally repeat history. Well, misinformation? (laughs) I've never heard of it. What is that? (laughs) What is misinformation? What do you mean? (laughs) Here's a fun thing about that whole claim of it being real and stuff. It's, I, uh, so this is one of the first movies I ever watched the audio commentary for. I was really interested after seeing it. Like, so if it's a movie, like, wait, that means you made it. What the fuck? What? Hold on. <laughs> what and, do you mean? <laughs> yeah. So I saw the, uh, saw it with the audio commentary with Toby Hooper and the cinematographer of the film. I forget his name, but. Uh, there's another one with the cast, but this was just these two. So just the people who put it together. And when this was playing, uh, Toby was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh yeah, we did kind of kind of lied to them there, didn't we? And then the cinematographer said, well, wait, this is one of the most famous parts of the film. <laughs> and, and then apparently they had said that they did mean it as misinformation, but at the same time, 
they didn't think anybody was going to take it seriously. So they thought it was mm. just like a fun thing to add to the, like, woo They thought it was stupid. Is it real? <laughs> yeah, they really thought they were just having some dumb fun. And then they realized they just kind of accidentally gaslit everybody with the, the beginning of the film. And they're like, oh, fuck. Well, whoops. It's kind of their response. They had no idea that people were actually going to take it seriously. And then they're like, yeah, did you know I keep hearing people saying like, hey, this is where it happened. Yep, that's where this yeah. kid died. And there's so many people who want to say that Ed Gein was Leatherface or that there really was a murder with chainsaws and stuff. I'm like, I'm sure there have been some domestic disputes where chainsaws Or that people are like, Ed Gein killed people with chainsaws. And it's like, no, he didn't. All through each other. (laughs) And so he, like, even issues an apology in that audio commentary. A very casual one. He's like, if you bought into this and your whole worldview has been shaped on that, I'm sorry. That was not my intention. (laughs) I just thought it was a funny way to make the movie sound more scary. And now people think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre happened. He's like, why did people, did we really say that? The cinematographer's like, you literally say the events in this movie are true. He's like, yeah, I forgot we put that line in. Damn. <laughs> he wanted to imply it. He didn't want to actually flat out say it was true. I kind of love it. Yeah, I love the accidental <laughs> flub in Oops. the script. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you guys. <laughs> Filmmaking is wild sometimes. <laughs> Uh, so the film is opening after this uh, with a kind of an eerie prelude and we hear a radio broadcast about some gruesome grave robbings happening. So this is obviously based off Ed Gein reports um, because he did rob graves. We don't condone it just to reiterate. (laughs) (laughs) Sally and her uh, disabled brother, Franklin, um, uh, basically worried that their grandfather's grave might have been vandalized. So they head out that mm-hmm. way. They're going to the cemetery and they're with three of their friends. Jerry, who is Sally's boyfriend, her best friend Pam, and Pam's boyfriend Kirk. So they're pretty average kids, to be honest. They're just mm-hmm. chilling out, hanging out. Being Enjoying kids. the van. Hanging yeah. out in a van. Oh, no. But it... And because we were talking about how it was like 40 degrees recording during this time imagine being stuck that's 40 degrees celsius everyone um Mm. stuck in that van i don't want to yeah oh they did oh okay that makes well they did off i get it yeah the house was worse apparently oh i can imagine i think it got upward to 50 inside oh yuck yeah that'd be me vomiting Mm -hmm. like i love the heat but not claustrophobic heat (laughs) right that mugginess yeah it's different um so they find that the grave's intact there's heaps of people at this cemetery i'm guessing because of the grave robbing reports it's like there's like a party at this cemetery there's people everywhere well they also have the fact that uh so they cap off the account with that image of the body and they do mention it in the account too so it's in the news that somebody had made some sort of shrine or something oh that's right yeah go see what the fuck did they do to this tombstone (laughs) that'd be me I'd be like, I need to fucking see this shit. I'm just really I mean, morbid what... and like that curious. Curious. It's also I'm a curious the 70s. person. Like, what entertainment did you have at the time other than like, well, that's just down the street. We're gonna go take a look at that. Let's one. go check it out. Get the truck. <laughs> you load the whole family up, go down yeah, there. Yeah. Um, have some family fun. <laughs> yeah. That's actually something my family would do. We'd be like, let's check it out. Um, and like a little side note, uh, sidebar, my niece, when she was four, used to say to me, Annie Cat, can we dig up your dead dog in my backyard? I want to see what he looks like. 
And I'm wow. just like, ah, uh, ask your mum, and that's it's going to be a no. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. He's going to be bones. You don't need to know what he looks like. Did they do it? No. Oh, there is hell. hell. But... No. <laughs> she also asked to go to a friggin' open casket funeral because she wanted to see the dead body. Sounds like me. I was yeah, that weird. She was just kid. like, my family aren't religious, so there's no mm. like, oh, your souls are departed, and like, my niece is just like, I just want to see what a dead body looks like. Yeah. Is there hair? You know, stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> what, what happens? And my sister's like, they look the same as what they did when they were alive. That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, so the grave's intact. And they, I love that they're just like, let's go to the old family homestead instead. Yeah. Let's head on out there. Let's not leave and go to a more comfortable place. Let's just stay in this middle of nowhere, <laughs> desert ass part of Texas on the hottest day of the year. Let's not get sure. a lemonade or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're heading towards the family homestead and they drive past an old slaughterhouse, which is quite interesting because I'm guessing that that is a massive uh, metaphor for past industries that have been absolutely destroyed by capitalism and mm-hmm. technology because it's absolutely gutted. It's abandoned. Nobody's in there. It's super interesting in the U.S., especially in areas around, you know, I like, I've mentioned before, I'm from Mississippi, so we had a very similar uh, geographical setup as Texas, just not, you know, deserty. But so economically speaking, I mean, it is very similar. And so it's just dotted to this day with old factories, old asylums, hospitals, anything that wow. was basically used with just straight up human energy and power is just this carcass in the middle of nowhere and they're just dotting the the sides of the highways broken glass everything so to see it already happening in the 70s really showed how quickly these things were just being disheveled thrown away and everybody was fired and it's just a ghost building now that's so scary that's more spooky to me than like a horror ghost story (laughs) that's where most of our ghost stories come from it's like true (laughs) what what was in this crazy old terrible looking building and most of the time yeah. it's pretty wholesome stuff but you know the way it looks now you can just see the system that completely stomped it down and just left it to die yeah Ugh. yeah capitalism <laughs> the real horror yeah and i love how franklin is so enthusiastic talking about how they used to kill cat like cattle with a sledgehammer oh, he's yeah, like so into really it. into the story and i'm just like ah. Yeah. Oh. That'd be, that'd be me. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that's a very clear sign of how much Franklin is pushed away from everybody. So not only is he disabled physically, I think he's also neurodivergent. And he's just trying to share, hey, I heard a story, y'all. And they're like, no, Franklin, that is morbid. Please shut up. We don't need to know. Oh, my gosh. The <laughs> amount of times I have had that comment. Uh, yeah. We didn't need to know that. <laughs> Yeah, TMI. Like, why? No, no. All information is useful information. <laughs> I have, like, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, just some shinfo. But back in my head, I'm like, everybody needs to know this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at retaining shinfo that you know you don't want to know. But back in my head, I'm like, I will tell everybody this fact. Uh, it's like, it's like, do you ever go through a moment where you have like a fun fact that you need to tell everybody? Of course. I have them, we all have at least about four that you have lined up, that when the moment arises, your brain goes, this is your moment. And you're like, tell them. I am going to ruin the atmosphere right now. 
<laughs> it's gonna be mine <laughs> my moment yes. <laughs> oh my god that is so me <laughs> and people will be like we're not even talking about that right now and it's like yeah but if i didn't get it out it was just gonna cause me a lot of discomfort um honestly i think it's why we podcast is so we get to talk about our interests <laughs> with like-minded people yeah and nothing that you bring to the table is too specific yeah <laughs> that's me <laughs> Um, so they pick up the hitchhiker, played by Edwin Neal, and they realise he's a little bit unhinged because he cuts his hand open with Franklin's pocket knife. Yeah, that's as you do. And then and then he's like, Ah, come to my house for dinner. And they're just like, ah, no. I think I'll pass. Worst salesman ever. (laughs) No poker face. And it's so He's clear. just really enthusiastic. He just wants friends. I just want... He wants to have some food. <laughs> that too, but <laughs> also he's friends. Like, but if you watch old Disney movies, he's like <laughs> how they would depict wolves. Those really spindly, uh, you know, the ones that are starving out in the British wilderness <laughs> and stuff. How yeah. they're always like, <laughs> food. And they just don't That's know what him. to do with themselves. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I got one. What do I do? I'm the weak one. Oh, no. Help! <laughs> never had to do it myself and this scene i really love because it's so weird that he like takes his polaroid out and explains that he is a photo taker at a local tourist just like trap or whatever and he Mm -hmm. takes this photo of franklin and he shows the group and he's like it's a good picture it's a good picture and demands that franklin pays two dollars for it yeah and the whole car is like no you're not paying two dollars for that and (laughs) Two dollars twenty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it'd be about five bucks now, wouldn't it? Yeah, it um, that's my th- yeah, it's crazy how much money that is. I love that he just gets out this sheet of aluminium foil, puts the photo on it, sprinkles gunpowder gun over powder. the top of it, and sets it on fire. I was just like, that's really elaborate. <laughs> that is preparation, is what that yeah. is. <laughs> he knew he was gonna fucking do that. <laughs> He's like, ah, another one. Well, <laughs> it's gone now. Too bad now. Maybe he used to be like a magician on the side for children (laughs) and he just uses the equipment that he got. Or maybe they killed a magician and he has all his like little like gadgets and stuff. Paper stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. To be a magician. He learned a trick at least. (laughs) So they kick him out of the van, but not before he cuts Franklin's leg with the pocket knife. Um, and when he gets out of the van and before they drive away, he smears his blood down the side of their van. Yes. Um, which I thought was interesting because I've gotten a few different readings on it. Yeah. At first I thought it was just, well, look at him. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I don't want to wipe it on my pants. So. (laughs) Yeah. It just seems like this is a logical fuck you kind of thing that he's doing to their van. Yeah. But then on subsequent viewings, when I see how intricately they all kind of just end up where they need to go and how Drayton seems to feel like he's an evil genius, I'm like, oh, you left <laughs> the van, didn't you? You put like just a let everybody know. Uh-huh. So to let them know, like, this one. These are it. Is, these guys are good to eat because I don't like them. And I'm sure Drayton's it. like, it's enough for me. I got the symbol. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we were talking earlier about this, about how Pam and uh, Kirk are these yuppies. Uh, funnily enough, Pam's sitting in the the uh, the front part of the van reading a book on astrology. And she says mm-hmm. to Franklin, 
here's your horoscope and it says travel in the country long range plans and upsetting persons around you could make this a disturbing and unpredictable day the events in the wood are not doing much either to cheer one up i love it i also love that this movie in a way could be read as a cosmic horror film because the opening the opening credits is just solar flares so it's really just a bad day because saturn was in retrograde Mm -hmm. well they do she does say that because she also goes on to say oh no capricorn's ruled by saturn uh there are moments where we cannot believe that what is happening is true pinch pinch yourself and you might find out that it is that like, gave me chills when she said yeah. that. You know what's coming up and you're like, <laughs> you, That's know. you can write a good script. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I really, whoever, like, whoever, did Toby write the script for I it? I think he did. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm not too sure. Did. I mean, it was a small, small production. So they're. Yeah, I think they spent around 60 to 80,000 or something on it. Maybe more. That's nothing. That is just chump change. Oh, Wonderful. I mean, I at the time, do. I'm sure it was a lot of money, though. Yeah, what I would do for $60,000. <laughs> so let's see. Production. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've already divulged that in this podcast already. Mm. <laughs> we could do a lot with that amount of money. Oh, so much. Let's see. Story by... So it's both Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper. Okay, cool. Yeah, they did a really great job. Mm-hmm. Um, so the van runs out of fuel and they end up at the old man's station, Jim, uh, Sidow, Sidow. Look, S-I-E-D-O-W, say it however you think it should be said. (laughs) With your accent, all right? (laughs) The old man tells him that the tanks are empty and he's waiting for a tanker to show up and refuel the station when the old man learns that they are heading out to the old hardesty home he tells them that they shouldn't go there that the people who live around that area aren't too receptive or kind to strangers the group grabs some barbecue sandwiches and head off to the homestead tasty (laughs) no because it wasn't until the last couple of scenes that i made the connection and i was like Uh oh for fuck's sake Uh oh I mean, I love that the film also gives you every clue before you even get there, because it's like, yeah. well, but that slaughterhouse isn't active, so you haven't seen a single cow on any field. Hey, what are they eating? So, what are they what eating? You had a lot of meat. <laughs> um, so they get to the homestead, and Sally and Pam go off to look through the old abandoned house. Uh, I've written in brackets, going in there would already be a no from me. Nah. Yeah. Nah, spiders, haunted, get anything. out. Yeah. Oh, spiders don't bother me. It's the hauntings, oh, really? the ghosts. <laughs> Fuck that. No ghosts for me. <laughs> um, obviously, Franklin's having a very difficult time getting around the place because he is in a wheelchair and he's frustrated, mm-hmm. which he would. Um, and I really love this scene because he really lets it like out and um, Just yelling at the others. Like, <laughs> with the two girls are at each other for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about blowing raspberries in the 70s that was beautiful. I just loved it. It was just so immature and such a baby brother thing to do. Yes, but very cathartic as well. I totally Oh, get it would have felt good. Like, that's the most fit he could probably throw, so. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just, I get really frustrated, um, yeah, at some of the 
writings of Franklin and um, especially in his and Sally's scene together towards the end where I'm just like, I fucking hate this scene. That was a very unfortunate scene. I really felt that there was no need. You could still have killed him off without making him just a chump right beforehand. Yeah, I get that he was scared, but you could have played that off way differently. I don't oh yeah, that scene. oh I have a lot of thoughts about that scene. Mm, um, <laughs> so Pam and Kirk get directions to an old swimming hole from Franklin, and they head off there to find that it's completely dried up. They decide to take a look around the area that they're in, which is absolutely beautiful. It's Texas is beautiful. Yeah, I bet. I'd love to go to Texas. Uh, my partner's been to Texas. He really likes it there. Um. Sorry? If you like heat, then Texas yeah. is the place to go. Yeah, yeah he's a winter person, but... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'll do Texas. <laughs> um, so Kirk actually comes across uh, the sound of a generator, which turns out to be a gas generator. I didn't know that was a thing. Is it run by gas? Yes. Oh, okay, so, so that's... okay. That's why they're like, these people <laughs> oh, must have, have gas, gas. because yeah. the generator's running. So if either their generator's about to crap out on them, or they're good. Yeah. The good gas. Because I was just like, what's a gas generator? Does it generate <laughs> gas? Yeah, that's, I was like, does it pump gas from somewhere? That would be advanced, yeah. <laughs> yeah that'd be way advanced for 1974. Yeah. Actually, 1973. It's, really, it's a really <laughs> shitty thing. Uh, it really sets the tone for what kind of a household they're going to. Because if you have a generator to run your electricity like that, it's like, you are so poor, you don't have access to statewide energy. Oh, so wow. Okay. They're just an afterthought. They're really, in the 70s, you had a lot of places that were still kind of like that. But mm. they were definitely a sign of, yeah, the state didn't get to you. So oh, that's so just sad. A memory. Yeah, that's oh. part of the tragedy of the film. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says a lot about, yeah, the government at the time. And probably the government still. I mean, yeah, it definitely I mean, is the same here. It gives you that. I mean, can you blame them kind of attitude sometimes in the film? Like, well, what are you going to do? You got to eat something. I kind of feel for you, in a way. In yeah. a, in not a because you eat people, but because you've resulted to this. Yeah, because you're forgotten. Necessity yeah. know, made this situation the way it is. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they approach the porch of the farmhouse. Mind you, this farmhouse is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, Outside. Yeah. Outside. And I think that's exactly... <laughs> the sign that you were talking about earlier with that Marxist reading and the socioeconomical mm. problems that they have is that the reason the hitchhiker is so damn proud of all the stuff that they had at the slaughterhouse is because they were probably cream of the crop in their little town. Yeah. You know, they were giving everybody their cuts of meat. They were a little sadistically too involved in the killing of the animals, which is the, yeah. oh, you know, that's the part that makes them just bad people from the very beginning this is how you make a villain but it doesn't change that you can have bad people and still unfair and unjust things happen to them yeah and that's what happens here is like well what happens if you push bad people and that's you know you see this nice house kind of like the remnant of a really good economical system that they had going but the the sign of the generator also shows like it hasn't really been modernized since probably the 40s or something mm. so that's see i wouldn't know because in australia if like gas generators i don't think were a thing it's like you had mm. gas lamps and right. um 
if you didn't have power, you had like a wood fire. Like that's how mm, you that's you functioned real here. School. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't Survival. know the in between <laughs> that and electricity, but I don't think there was like an right. in between period for very long here. Most places I know that have a generator, it's really a backup at this point. It's just yeah, to make sure yeah. that if I mean, your weather goes crazy. Oh, there you go. But this was their only way of getting it. So that's the way yeah. that you can see they're kind of in a time capsule, which is the sign of a poor area, usually in, in America, that you can see something that yeah. was nice, but for some reason it's just it feels the same as it would have if you had walked in at the time that it was made. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I just, uh, there's just something about American housing that I'm just like, Far out, it is beautiful. <laughs> like, our style. housing here is ugly as fuck. I've <laughs> never seen it. Uh, my yeah. sister and I have a... We have we, we do a lot of analysis on the Australian <laughs> housing. Because <laughs> we, like, we, uh, we prefer the, like, American rural housing. Like, that would be much okay. better fitted for where we live. But we don't have that. It's just... Yeah, it's weird here. Um, so... I love this because Kirk finds a human tooth on the porch and tells yeah. Pam that he has a gift for her and hold your hand out. <laughs> and Such he puts a tooth moment. in her hand. It is. <laughs> I'd be the one putting it in my partner's hand though. I'd be like, hey, Ned, ah, check this out. He'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? I'd be like, what the fuck is this tooth doing here? <laughs> I couldn't get away with it. I think that my partner would be like, this is genuinely not okay. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, my partner would probably be like, where did you get this tooth from? That's not okay. Yeah. And you didn't not me giving it to him. And, oh my yeah. God, and let's just leave and watch. Let's call everybody. the police. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in rural Texas, you're probably like, these poor people. That's probably the first thought you have is like, and you're well, like, their tooth fell out. They're just spitting out their teeth. Damn. I mean, in 1970, though, in the 70s, I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, if someone, maybe someone just had a tooth knocked out, or mm -hmm. they pulled it out themselves. Yeah. Like, but I mean, now you'd be like, that's nefarious. It's either nefarious or really a sign that somebody needs to give them some sort of, like, social support or something. So, like, you know, call some sort of, like, I don't know, counselor in your area you to okay? help these people. Yeah. <laughs> you need a subsidy? <laughs> yeah, let's get you to the dentist. Um, Kirk bangs on the door and calls out to get someone's attention, but he obviously gets no answer. The door's partially open, so he lets himself in. And he hears, why not? Yes. Like we were saying, sorry, but because you're in a tourist trap, you actually don't get privacy. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not entitled to that. And I think that this, yeah, it, um, talking about what we were saying about like um, socioeconomic status and stuff like that, that these people probably don't come from an area where... Um, there's a lot of poor people. Yes, you can tell that Franklin and Sally did grow up in that area. They yeah. have a lot more respect for it. And Kirk and Pam clearly came from some, if they're from Texas, they're from like Austin, Texas. You know, one of the big They're from cities. somewhere populated, yeah. Yes. But they're just like, what? I'm used to walking around in people's squares and estates and stuff like that. And like, but that is, their home is inside. That that is a public space that you're walking in. The yard is not a public space. That is part of the home. Yeah. <laughs> so you're already trespassing by sitting on their swing. Yeah. Oh, I'd be like, get off my damn lawn. Well, yeah, we have plenty of shotguns uh, for that reason in the United States. It's a old stereotype. Get off my lawn. We're not, we're not allowed those here. Um. <laughs> Good reason. 
Good reason. Um, so what I found really interesting is that throughout the whole film, there's actually no musical soundtrack. It's uh, except uh, like at the start where uh, mm-hmm. we have the narration <clears throat> and at the credits, uh, they basically just use sounds an animal an animal would make inside a slaughterhouse and chickens. Yeah, heaps of chickens. A lot of ambience. Oh, the chickens. Yeah, and chickens. <laughs> I would have loved to see just a chicken. Oh, there is a chicken, isn't there, in one of the scenes where I was yeah. just like, ooh, <laughs> hello, friend. Cage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the hallway is covered in animal pelts. Um, and Kirk finds it quite fascinating and calls Pam into the house, but I don't think she hears him. He mm-hmm. heads towards the end of the entranceway, and all of a sudden, a huge masked individual comes out and smashes Kirk in the head with a sledgehammer. Uh, I was kind of repulsed by this because Kirk continues to twitch on the ground, which is obviously a so reference good. to slaughterhouse animals yep. that do behave that way when uh, neurologically damaged. So I, this is my favorite sequence in the entire film. It's also I actually really like this bit too. Yeah, yeah, and also the moment just right after this as well. Like this is where all of uh, the you know cinema artistry is on display here yeah the framing of it all the way the slowness like when leatherface comes out it's not a jump scare at all he just kind of casually stands there like you fucked up hey kurt kurt <laughs> just kind of looks up at him like oh no and then you just get thump and you just you're just sitting in shock like yeah what like, just oh. happened oh is okay dead? and mm. i love the brutality of the twitching and stuff because yeah there's a, that was a definite angle that toby hooper was going for was that critique on the meat industry and i loved how mm. you have all this conversation about oh no we were real good just one hit and they'd be dead but what he doesn't no. what he fails to tell you is that it was a very slow painful death yeah sure it's one hit but one hit did a lot of damage that wasn't really instantly gonna kill anything and i love they uh. showed it with a person just to make it yeah. more like you can now empathize with the meat that you eat basically yeah, and because a lot of people have said that it's a massive, uh, like, uh, vegetarian, uh, vegetarian positive, and as someone who's like yeah. ex-vegan, I'm like, mm-hmm. I can I can see a lot of it. It's in but, there. I think it was just more meat critical than it was pure yeah. pro anything. Yeah, I think it's just obviously because you know when you have industries that boom, they turn into mass production that ends up wasting exactly. stuff and. Uh, well, capitalism does that. Capitalism wastes stuff. Mm-hmm. It wastes people. It wastes materials. It wastes the earth. Like, <laughs> where, <laughs> would you like me to go on? <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that Leatherface is kind of like, they came out and was kind of like, fuck's going on out here? Like, what's that noise? I'm busy. He's so ready. Like, <laughs> it's just swing. I just love that he doesn't freak. He's just like, yeah. Sure. Cool, calm, collected. Out you go. Um, and I love Pam's uh, like entrance into the house um, yes, because she, better. yeah, she basically falls into a room mm-hmm. and the room is filled with these Ed Gein inspired skulls everywhere. Yeah. There's human bones, animal bones. There's a chicken in the ceiling. Hey, friend. Um, there's sculptures made out of human skulls hanging from the roof. I was like, that's interesting. I like the, the art deco going on in here. The yes. Is so cool. With Brutal. All the bones and hands yeah. and feet. And I'm like, man, I got 
It doesn't look comfortable, but I would love to have that couch. I'd like to look at it. It yeah. might smell. Well, again, replica. Replica, okay. <laughs> that avoids the smell. I have like a real this, big sensory the, thing with smells, yeah. so I'd pass This movie, that. you can smell. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's in there. The filming, you can just tell that the director like, could not oh. help, but yeah. Gag. They, yeah. they <laughs> suffered through the smell in this film, they said. It was the worst part of making it. Oh god. I hope anyone that listens would be like, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. You get it, in listener. this you get it. We get you. Uh because Pam actually starts to dry heave. And I'm sure she probably did that in real life, and they kind of just kept that in the film. There's a chicken in a cage in forty degree weather. Oh that poor chicken. Oh yeah, but I mean also have you ever been around chickens? There's yeah. an odor. So Oh yeah, they smell kinda like um sawdust and Yeah, they poo. do. Yeah. Something kind of musty about them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, taxidermy has the same smell. And yes. Yes. There's a lot of taxidermy in that room too, and it's all hot. <laughs> so I like I taxidermy. Would... Fun well, fact yeah. about me. Hmm? I actually when I finished my undergrad, I went to start a biological science degree because I wanted to be oh. a taxidermist for a museum. So cool. That's what I wanted to do as a, for a living. People were like, what? why? And I was like, oh, why this not? is just, why not? There's morticians? Why not morticians for animals? Yeah. We have a lot of taxidermy in the escape room that I run, and it's just because we have a friend who does it as a kind of semi-pro hobby. You know, she'll... That is so cool. She helps people with their pets and stuff like that, so they can... Oh, wow. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. That's I beautiful. mean, also, she's also always on the lookout, like, if you got... If you get any roadkill that's not like like if it just died of natural causes, you gotta give it to me. It's, <laughs> um, I'm not it's touching like a it. Gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to like, reconstruct can, any body parts. <laughs> like I can tell you where it is because I don't want to pick it up. But <laughs> yeah, ew. I like yeah, no, ew. It'd get under my fingernails, and I'd be like, oh no, get me out of here. We wear gloves, but yeah. still, still, <laughs> I'd be washing my hands for days. Then the taxidermy um, was not the way for you. <laughs> I mean, ta- not roadkill taxidermy. <laughs> Apparently, I wouldn't have the guts for that. I just wouldn't have the guts for it. Um, so Leatherface returns and grabs her, but she manages to get away and attempts to run out of the house. In one of the most iconic scenes of horror movie in horror movies of all time, we see the scene where she is dragged back around the waist, kicking and screaming by Leatherface into the house. Mm-hmm. Which, do you know what's so funny? I used to see that gif everywhere and not hit, like, it didn't click in my mind where it was from because you couldn't see Leatherface. No, you just see her in arms. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, what? And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, it all makes sense. But it's the same with, like, the most iconic shot, which we're getting up to here in a moment, is when she's on the hook. Oh, yeah. Because it's on the poster. And Oh, it is too, this- yeah. I mean, at least the original uh, one sheet they had for it had her mm. in there. So I think they may have Leatherface on it too, but most of them just have her holding onto the top of the hook. Yeah. And it's really easy to just forget that that's this particular film. You know? Yeah, true. I didn't even, yeah. Okay. Little pieces are coming together in my memory. Um, so he drags her kicking and screaming back into his little, I called it a cool butcher's workspace. <laughs> Because he hasn't really, yeah, he hasn't really organized. And I was like, he's 
definitely not neurotypical. Uh, he is not. Far from it, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yet again, another way of showing disability, but in a more, I would say, empathetic light. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. because he is nonverbal. Um, yeah. But I think I read somewhere that the noises that the actor did for Leatherface were improvised, I believe. Yes. He made up yeah. the whole character. They just told him. Fantastic. So on the script, it really was just you're an evil you do this. dude who is quiet. And he's, you know, he was proto slasher, basically. He's just yeah. cre- creepy guy with a, a chainsaw who looks scary as shit because Gunnar Handsome is huge. That's all they yeah. <laughs> But Gunnar was like, I can't play a character that isn't sympathetic. So I'm just going to, I feel that it's really unfair to have a character that doesn't, at least as an actor. He was just such a good actor that he did his job and was like, I have to find something that I connect with with this character yeah. so he went through all like the stuff about abuse and trauma and just made up some i think sounds. he spent some time with some non-verbal he did yeah people because i think it says in the script like he he can communicates without language in one yeah. like, quick moment so he just decided well what is the one thing that this person would know the most he's like pigs he's probably heard a lot of pigs so he just makes pig noises yeah which is also another shout out to the dismantlement of industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the abandonment of industry, if anything. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so spooky. Um, so he carries it down, puts her on a meat hook, and while she hangs there screaming with this hook in her spine, she dis- he, <laughs> Leatherface, dismembers Kirk with a chainsaw, which we see alluded to off screen. Um, yeah, from noises. splash on the wall. Like yeah. a really teeny tiny splash. But Very artistic. He's so cash, too. He's <laughs> he's just like, eh, he's, do my job. He's one step away from just going like, do, 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 while he's doing it. <laughs> I, right? He's just so like, oh, get the job back back to the salt mines. The funniest part, though, is this, is, this shows how good of a worker Leatherface was because... <laughs> He wasn't doing that when Kirk showed up. He's just like, oh, this is way better than what I was doing. And he just decides to get to work. I've He's got like, ah, uh, you, you're next. Ooh, <laughs> you've got some tender meat. Let's, yep. Good one. He's, he was probably just out back sharpening his tools, putting a new chain on his chainsaw. Maintenance about, work. How am I going to dress tonight? You know, what should I wear to dinner? Which what mask do I wear to dinner? Yeah. Let's find. I want to know how many masks he had. Oh my gosh! Because we only see three. Yeah, damn. Because <laughs> we see the one, the one what? in the scene. So the yeah. very kind of like his worker's mask. Um, yeah. So I like to I, call I, it business casual. Right. See, <laughs> I had uh, mentioned to you also in Twitter that I wrote an article about, uh, I call it masking the feminine. So the point of that was a look into how in a lot of slashers, you have these, the, the villains tend to be very hyper-masculine coded characters. Mm. But most of them have an insecurity that has to do with their relationship with femininity. So it's either like Jason, who's very emasculated by his mother, but also picked on for being a very sensitive boy that he has to cover his face to hide not just his deformities, but he also wants to hide the fact that he has a bit of a sweet face. So he makes a very aggressive sack looking thing. And eventually you get this faceless mask. Michael Myers has a very strange 
attraction to a sister and a sex drive, possibly even, you know, you could possibly even put a very uh, maybe flimsy trans reading on that as well, coveting what his sister had. So he lashes out, but he can only kill when he has a mask on. He always like lurches away, like, don't look at me when you take his mask off in the film. And with Leatherface, he's the only one who's just like, my mask is my face. So it's not, he's not hiding anything. He's actually expressing himself through his masks. Yeah, And so it just felt like he's just kind of customized. So I love how (laughs) the leathery face matched his apron when he's doing the gross work because there's no human feature left on it. No, it's just literally just just eye holes and a mouth hole cut out and that's, and put on his head. That's it. Yeah. Whereas later, when he's being more communal, he has the ones that have hair still attached to them. He's yeah. got makeup on them. He wants to look more presentable. And he doesn't seem uncomfortable at all. There's no shame no. in any of this. Leatherface is like, oh, hold on. Literally, let me go put on my face. And then, like, leave. Yeah, actually. <laughs> he's like, okay, I love Leatherface. He's What's such the a trans third icon. one? The third one is the dinner. So he has a different face on when he's cooking. Than when oh, he's that's actually right. in the dinner scene, and I love that's it so right. Much. Yes, it's so. Look at like, that! I can't wait to read this article. I'm gonna be up reading it tonight. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to your thoughts on that. Oh, I'll just be like, just open mouth emoji. That'll be my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um. So back at the homestead, uh, Sally, Franklin, and Jerry are starting to get worried because Pam and Kirk haven't shown up. So the no. sun's setting and Jerry sets off on an adventure to go and rescue Pam and Kirk. So yes, he comes across... that patriarchal system yet again. I'm the man. I shall go find I've him. I've got to go do it. It is my job. It is my patriarchal you, you, duty. You siblings who are familiar with the area, you stay here. <laughs> yeah, you stay. <laughs> I'll go. Yes. Um, so he comes across the house because he's lured by the sound of the generator humming and he notices that Kirk's blanket is on the front porch. So he goes in the house to investigate and it's like, cool, once again, no privacy. Uh, don't even knock, actually. Don't even worry about that bit. Yeah, nothing's going to get you killed quicker than sneaking up on somebody in their house. (laughs) Announce yourself, please. Knock on the fucking front door. Yeah, wait. I actually said to my boss the other day um, that Australian society, I don't know if it's the same where you are, that a long time ago, people would just show up to your house for a visit, like unannounced Mm. and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. how's it going? Just was in the neighborhood. That had pissed me off if somebody did that to me today. I'm too modern for that shit. Like, I already get it. No. If you call me out of the blue and my answer is usually, what is it? Like, (laughs) what is the reason for you calling me? Like, oh, just to chat. I'm like, you could have told me we were going to do that. I'm busy. <laughs> you know, like, not to be I rude, just won't I'm answer fine. my phone if I'm busy. <laughs> I'll yeah, be like, no, I can't even I mean, have that conversation. <laughs> like, I know if it's my mom, then I'm like, yeah, okay. It's either something serious or she wants to chat. I will yeah. give my mom the carte blanche. You, you, if you have that relationship with me, then I'll be like, hey, what's up? But if just some person that I know either <laughs> casually, maybe knew them for a couple months and they're calling me up, and I'm like, you want to do what? They're like, chat. I'm like, no, um, I don't know how to deal with it. Suddenly, like I, do people do that? Like <laughs> you don't get to, you don't get to just come to my house. And I used to do that. That's the weirdest part about it. In the South, we're very much that. We were just yeah, like, hey, we, everybody's yeah, we were. sharing, yeah, hanging share out. Spaces. Kids would just yeah. go over to their friend's place and be like, hey, is is your kid home? Yeah, but you'd also like call each other as well, and like, so who are you talking to? Like, oh, my friend at school. What about stuff? School. School. 
maybe. Usually it was just like TV or parents. I don't even remember. <laughs> but it's so weird. I don't do that anymore with people. It's usually no. a, a purposeful phone call. If I'm gonna call. Yes, I want purpose and intention, and not just be like the 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 the. Except I do call my dad for that because that's an anxiety thing. Again, um, parents, yeah, <laughs> parents are fine. If you want to like just chit chat, yeah, that's fine. It's in my own time. Yeah. So I love this scene. I don't know how you feel about it. when uh, Jerry goes into the kitchen and finds Pam inside the deep freezer, the and she's like convulsing because she's freezing in there, and because she's had like a meat hook in her back. Yes. And. I love that just as she lunges out of the freezer, Leatherface appears and kills Jerry with the sledgehammer and, like, shoves Pam back in and locks it. And, and then he, we get that I've shot kn- of his face. Yeah, I've written here, Leatherface is upset about the people who keep coming into his house. Yes. They're my notes. He's just trying to do shit and people keep fucking showing up and you can see his, like, growing frustration. He has, like, I have... I don't speak, and I have so many things I have to explain to my home now. They're going to get home and wonder, like, what are all these kids doing here? What are all these dead people? I had the same fucking question. They just kept showing up. (laughs) They're just here. They won't go away. In my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is the scene with Franklin and Sally that I didn't really like because of their interaction. Um, And that they kind of made... Franklin, this annoying, um, like, I don't know. I was just frustrated because mm-hmm. the way that he, his scripting was, and I was just like, yeah. I think Franklin is the reason why people often call this movie a slasher because in most slasher films, you, so like a slasher, you do have empathy for your villains in this movie but yeah. it doesn't mean that you sympathize with the villains in this movie leatherface is legit the only one in the film other than sally i kind of sympathize with in this film yeah and i don't know why just kind of the things that they put in the movie but in most slashers you're kind of like there's at least one or two asshole characters that you're going to cheer when they die a very wonderful death and they took your only disabled character and made and him that. the one that you want to cheer for. And the, I guess this is just our 2021 reading of it, but yeah, it is uncomfortable that they do that. I see what they were going for as well. I see that they were trying to make a scene where you had a sibling spat because yeah. siblings annoy each other. So I got, I got that they were going to argue over the flashlight and stuff. That's all fine. But they just made Sally look like she doesn't give a shit about her brother, and they made yeah. Franklin look like he doesn't give a shit about anything. And mm. it just didn't work. And he was kind of like the sacrificial disabled kid. Yeah. I think he should have been taken out in his own. Just. Yeah. Rather than as Sally scarier. pushes him through the woods and <coughs> Leatherface. Yeah, and he's, and he's used as a human child. Because Leatherface just absolutely rams a chainsaw through his chest. Now, I'm guessing Leatherface heard them coming and was like, I'm going to go check yeah. out what's going on. Because he has the chainsaw idling. So he's already, he probably very stealthily cranked it up a little bit farther away from them and then walked back and just waited. Yeah. And was just like, I'm going to wait Franklin here. is like, what's that sound? And you hear that. 
yeah, that's so creepy. And I'm like, oh, don't do that. Well, you think it's the generator, I think. Yeah, oh, true, yeah. Because I was like, oh, they're getting closer because the generator. Um, So Sally absolutely just fucking leaves her brother there, which I was like, oh, my God, I would not do that if that was my sibling. If I saw my sibling, I don't have any, but if I saw my sibling partner, whoever, if I saw the chainsaw enter their torso, I'm like, you're gone, and I would leave. Oh, see, I wouldn't. How do you I'm like, that? I'll stay, I'll stay, because I'll just be like, oh my god, what the if, fuck? If they got stabbed with a knife, I'd help them and try to drag them around. I'm like, he okay. sliced them in half with a chainsaw. I'm like, sorry, dude. You're out, I'm out. <laughs> I'll mourn you when I survive this, okay? Let me get away first, and then yes. we'll have a moment. <laughs> I love um, Sally's just like, survival mode, on. Yeah, she really is, and I kind of really like the way she was written from this part of like because obviously you don't spend a lot of time with sally at all until now typical final girl yeah she that she really she did it for me in that whole um very strong very uh resilient not resilient uh but more the whole um she's pretty resilient i mean like fuck you i'm getting out of here attitude (laughs) like i'm doing anything to get out of here yeah <laughs> i do like that about her she's texting yeah <laughs> uh so she runs into the house unaware that it's a location where her boyfriend and friends are all dead and obviously leatherface chases her into the house now i'll follow this up with my fucking favorite comedic relief I when we get it's to gonna it. be my favorite moment as well so um <laughs> She, he fucking just chainsaws the door apart and Sally runs up. I love this. I was like, why wouldn't you just kick the door down? Also a reminder, they haven't locked the door the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just opened it. But I do appreciate that it, the reason, the timing of and the pacing for why it was there. He's so fucking frustrated. He's got to use yeah, chainsaw or something. Yeah, he's fucking pissed. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> She goes upstairs and finds two incredibly desiccated people sitting in rocking chairs. The woman has obviously been dead for a while, and the old yeah. man is like clinging to life, like he's I just hanging the, on. I think the woman was uh, dug up. That's my theory on that. Yeah, that probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that. But yeah, you you assume that the the grandfather is also dead at this point. Yeah. Well, I thought he was dead. Yeah. But then I think something happened and I was like, oh no, oh, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Like when she looks at him, I think something happened. I can't He opens his eye. That's right. Yeah. And I was like, oh! Yep. <laughs> oh my god, yes. okay, at least he's alive. <laughs> she does the most logical thing you do in that situation. <laughs> she just bolts. Oh yeah, and then gets cornered by Leatherface on the second floor and just fucking yeets out the window. <laughs> I, I was just like... some stuff. Yeah, I was like, that is brave. And I love how Leatherface is just at the window like, fuck! My fucking house! Fuck, 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 fuck. And he's like, yeah! my house! You're in my front yard! Now I'm gonna fucking, I gotta get down the stairs and come and get you! Like, he's fucking, he's angry at this. He's, like, beyond angry. I don't even know he what also, the word would be for it. He doesn't even strike me as the kind of, like, if you look at his physique, he's a strong boy, but I don't strike him as the cardio type, so it's probably like, no! <laughs> I'm just these stairs again. <laughs> it is like a real look of like, oh, for fuck's sake. All right. Um, 
which I really, I just, I, and I get why this film is satirical because there's just so much going on where I'm just like, fuck, that's funny. Like, I really like that. This is some Scooby-Doo shit, really. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> really brutal Scooby-Doo. Yeah. What, Scooby-Doo, I wouldn't let my kids watch. Um, so Sally makes a run for Into the Darkness and eventually reaches the gas station with the old man that he'd been to previously. And Leatherface just drops off the face of the earth at this point. So the old man says that he has to take Sally to the police station, but it's another town over and he doesn't have a phone. So he's like, I'm going to go get my truck. You wait here. And while she's sitting there, she notices a smoke pit where the barbecue is made and realizes that the pieces of meat that are smoking are body parts. But not just any body parts. A male torso. Yes. Which I was like, oh, oh, barbecue sandwiches. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Don't they also have severed hands hanging from the ceiling somewhere? Yeah. Uh, I think they're, st- I think they're in the bar- the smoke pit as well. Oh, it could be in the smoke pit as well, yeah. Yeah, because I remember there was like, um, like uh, spikes, like stokes, mm-hmm. and they were just like sitting along the smoke pit. I love oh. this, because if you know barbecue, then you see the equivalent of what they're putting together. So it's like when you get your rack of ribs... And then yeah. all the hanging parts are like, this is the like, leg of lamb and stuff. You can totally <laughs> hang in there. <laughs> uh, gross. So the old man returns. He attacks Sally uh, with a wooden, like a bat. With a broom. Oh, with a broom. <laughs> just thwacks her in the face with the broom. And I love that he like knocks her unconscious with it. But with, with the like, soft part too. The soft part. I was like, um, what the? F- all right, all right. This is your movie, okay? <laughs> I think it was pure shock. I think she's just so done at that point. Yeah. Just the shock of like, did you just hit me with a broom? Make her pass out. <laughs> she's like, fuck this. Um. So he puts a potato sack over the top of her head and drives her all the way back to the farmhouse she just left. I love that on the fucking driveway, uh, the hitchhiker's on his way back as well. And he's like, oh, hey, pick me up. Remember how he was telling them, like, it's real close. Like, it's so close by. And they're like, if it's so close, why can't you walk it? Oh, nah. And now we find out, like, it was not close at all to that part of the street. Like, it took him all night to get home. Oh, it did. It took him a... Yeah. Wow. I just thought he was hanging out in the front yard like a weirdo. I used to do I, that as a kid. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, he could have also just been, like, picking on armadillos and stuff like that in the streets. Yeah, hanging out, digging Seems... in ants' nests. He might have ADHD, so I can I see think... him, like, just popping off and, like, oh, what's this? <laughs> Having adventures. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> um, And so I love this, because they get to the house, and the old man's like... Pick up the girl, bring her inside. <laughs> and then there's this shot of them at the front door. Oh, there and, it is. Yep. And he's like, look what your brother did to the door. Ain't he got no pride in his home? <laughs> I was just like, I lost it at this point. I was like, oh. The delivery of this line, too. It's just this old man <laughs> rage of, for fuck's sake. I leave for five hours, and I, I can't trust you, neither of you, with anything. I've and fucking I, come home to this. And it sounds almost as if that's like maybe the fourth or fifth door they've been through. Because <laughs> he's like, well, look what your brother did to the door. Like, 
He's so done with it at that point. I just love, like, <laughs> there are a bunch of cannibals in a house full of, like, human body parts. And he's like, ain't he got no pride in his own? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is where you can see they don't have any parental <laughs> figures as well. Yeah. Right? So when you know that this is just their older brother, it reads so much better. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I have It makes so much dynamic. more sense. They have yeah. no structure because none of them have ever been a parent. <laughs> yeah. They have no idea what the fuck they're doing. No. Um, so they tie Sally to a chair in the house, which has human arms on it. Like it's yeah, a literal does. armchair. Yeah. Like it's not bones. Arms. It's arms. I love it. It's armchair. It's, <laughs> it's an armchair. Fuck me up. I love Such it. Such a good joke. <laughs> um, so she looks around and notices, because this is her first time really looking at the house and notices that there's furniture and decorations made out of human body parts and bones. Mm-hmm. It's super grotesque. And like I said, it would stink if it were real. And it did. It did. This was the scene. Oh, cause really it's the taxidermy. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, so they take a the lot of real of... meat on set too. Oh, really? Oh, that would have been so gross. Yeah. No, thanks. Um, so when they take the sack off Sally, Sally's head, she recognizes the hitchhiker, um, and they recognize one one another actually. And Sally screams, "Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that did me in!" Because I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> um, and so it's like this scene is what made me really uncomfortable because of um, okay. Sally's uh, torment. Right. Um, And the women in this film in general are really subjected to brutality and that Mm -hmm. was quite confronting and upsetting for me. And I found something really interesting. So in a study called The Effects of Multiple Exposures to Film Violence Against Women, um, in the 1984 Journal of Communication, men were shown five films depicting differing levels of violence against women. On first viewing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they experienced symptoms of depression and anxiety. However, upon subsequent viewing, they found the violence against women less offensive and more enjoyable. Hmm. How? That's fucked up. That'd just get worse for me. I'd just be yeah. like, oh, like her screaming throughout this actually just really, I don't know, that, just did something so to me. This was, the, so if the allegory of the critique on the meat industry, if that hadn't hit people yet, this was the scene that Hooper had in mind from the very beginning of the film. All of those shots of her eyes, he actually got yeah. from seeing documentaries of cows freaking out when they saw another cow get, uh, you know, put down. Yeah. So that they would really get scared in those chambers because you do have to put them in like a really small, immovable area so that you can get close enough without them. Like, you know, a cow will kill you. Like they are yeah. strong animals. So the only way that we could do that is get them docile and herd them into a small area. Which I'm sorry for making anybody uncomfortable with his gruesome details, but it's just to serve the description of the actual scene. So he wanted to put a human being in that level of distress. And as you say, it's super uncomfortable. I don't know mm. anybody who's just like popcorn eating, like, oh, this is such great entertainment. And if they are, I'm like, I don't know if I want to hang out with you anymore because that's yeah. not the right response to this particular It got scene. to a point where I kind of <laughs> was like, do I just fast forward through this bit? Because I yeah. lit- it was hard to sit through. Uh, and I love yeah. it though, because the movie's been actually pretty funny and satirical. Yeah, up this is a this massive juxtaposition to the rest of the Until film. Until they bring out 
grandpa, of course. Then they oh, fucking back. hell. But until, and even that makes it more disturbing. Actually, so one thing I love, my original thesis topic was going to be on the overlap between comedy and humor. Uh, comedy, humor. Humor and horror. So fear and, and humor. And I loved seeing this because I actually really appreciate when you can use humor to make the horror more intense as opposed yeah. to taking it away. So all the stuff of like bludgeoning her in the head with this inefficient, emaciated old man, I just kept being like, "Oh, that has to hurt so much!" And you know, like Marilyn Burns is selling it so so well the whole yeah. way through that this poor old Sally is not in on the joke at all. She's like, "What the no, fuck are you laughing?" She at? is the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no fucking way. And um, something that I read about this scene because they're all at the dinner table. And um, a film critic by the name of King Newman wrote that Hooper's presentation of the Sawyer family during this particular dinner scene parodies a typical American sitcom family, stating that the gas station owner, the old man, is the breadwinning father figure, whilst Leatherface is depicted as the the bourgeoisie housewife and the hitchhiker as their teenager. Because you can kind of see that dynamic coming through. And I actually really laughed at this scene because I was just like, this is utter chaos. And, you know, the old man says something like, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. There's just some things you got to do. Don't mean Mm -hmm. you have to like it. And I was just like, oh, that hit hard. It's such a father thing to say to somebody. (laughs) Well, some things Uh you just got to do. Gotta do it. Don't mean you like it. So go um, uh, go stack those bricks now. Yeah, I'm gonna just mumble some, to himself as he leaves. Yeah, some arbitrary thing that actually didn't need to get done too. Usually, <laughs> 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 gotta go uh, water the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Keep busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> gotta go turn the sprinkler on on the driveway. Off I go um so this yeah so they decide that grandpa's going to be the one to to have some fun and one of them says, i don't know if it's the old man or the hitchhiker says let him have some fun while he still can i think that yeah i think that's true i was yeah, like the older one leave leave him alone that old man is so decrepit it's gross yeah um so they force her to her knees and hold her head over a bucket while they help Grandpa make failed attempts at hitting her head with the hammer. Like you said, probably really fucking would have hurt. Yeah, probably more than just getting whacked really hard. Yeah, just fuck off, Grandpa. Just hit me. Um, so the hitchhiker decides that he's going to finish her off. And as they're all kerfuffling about, <laughs> like fucking idiots, um, Sally just... So yeah, she's out the window again. Could you imagine yeah. Leatherface at this point? Like for fuck's sake, another window? I would just tell him I, I'm not, I'm not building that. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. I and I honest. love this scene because this is obviously the uh, one of the most. Like I said, this film has a lot of iconic and like scenes throughout the mm-hmm. entire plot movie. It's getting late, so my brain's like, which. Which word do I mean? Um, so the hitchhiker and Leatherface are chasing her up the driveway out onto the road. And the hitchhiker's like waving his fucking pocket knife that he stole from Franklin around the place. Like yeah. hooning about with it. Such a teenager too. Like, I'm helping yeah. you. You're doing nothing. You're yeah, like, look at me though. <laughs> yeah. And Leatherface is like, all right, got to finish this off. So he comes out with his chainsaw. 
And this scene, because like I said, I forgot about a lot of this movie, so it felt like I was almost watching some of it for the first time. Hell yeah. And when she gets to the to the road and she's crossing the road, that fucking massive truck just absolutely demolishing this hitchhiker dude. Pancakes, and I was yeah. like, <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Fuck mm. yes. I I honestly forget about it most of the time when I watch it too because <laughs> I forget like that anybody in the family dies because you're just so not used to seeing that in a movie like this that if somebody's going to die it's the final girl that puts them down. Yeah. And I love that Sally's whole role in this movie is just getting away. Yeah, I don't care about killing anybody. I just need to get the fuck out of mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um so I love that the truck driver slows down and he's like, "Oh, fuck, I got to see what happened." And he's just confronted by Sally, who's screaming, covered in blood. Mind you, mind you, I read somewhere that a lot of the blood in these final scenes were Madeline's blood, because as she ran through the woods, she like had cut herself, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the blood on her face was actually from just like face cuts, because they bleed you know the, like hell. Did you know that the moment where they cut her finger so the grandpa can drink it, that was real. <laughs> Yeah, because they couldn't work out how to fucking, like, get the squirty bit happening. (laughs) Yeah, they had, like, a hose that was taped to her finger. And it was Gunnar Hansen who said there's something like the, I don't know, the 30th take or something. And they were all getting, like, dehydrated and going loopy. And he just looked around. Nobody was watching. And then he just cut the tube off of her finger and just went for it. And it wasn't until after they did the take and Toby Hooper was like, we got it. That was amazing. Oh, Marilyn, you're amazing. That Gunner's like, come here. I, I took the hose off. And they're like, we, we, got, we got the shot. That's fine. Give her a Band-Aid. Treat her like a queen. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. I realized I just called her Madeline because that's my sister's name. And my oh, brain yeah. was just like, Madeline. It's Marilyn. I'm a well, dickhead. I thought it was just an Australian accent. That, uh, no. Like- no, because my sister's name is Madeline, so that's just oh. my brain automatically went to it. <laughs> um, so Leatherface and Sally, well, Sally's running up the road, Leatherface behind her, and Sally, the oh, the truck driver goes, they all, look, there's this really odd part yeah. where they get in the cab and then they're out and Leatherface is like soaring at the side of the truck and I'm just like, what? Stay in the truck. I thought that was strange too. Like, but you were there. You were there. All you had to do is jump in. Like, you you close the door, run around the truck, get him to chase you, jump back in the truck, fucking leave. You're the truck driver. You had the chance. You know how your truck works. (laughs) It's running. You know how to drive. It's running. He probably just ran out of energy and was like, oh, I can't get back around to the front. It made for a wonderful ending, though, because we get that final moment that I'm like, oh, thank Mm. God. Oh. I love this part where the truck driver throws a fucking wrench at Leatherface's head. Yeah. And he drops the saw onto his leg. And it looks. Yep. Okay. So I have cut my arm open only like a couple of centimeters, but it cut because it cut through like a really, um, like just a fleshy part of my arm. So there was mm-hmm. like no tendon or anything. And it cut all the way down to the bone. So I could see like. Oh the God. skin, like different layers of skin and fat cells. And so when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's what it looks like inside your arm. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that his screams were real because the chainsaw was so hot that it actually oh, gave him fuck. like a second degree burn? Right oh, there my in the God. Leg? 
because he i mean they did put like a piece of meat there so you could see yeah. the realistic looking thing but yeah apparently it just went a little too deep and he's just like oh get it off get it off <laughs> oh fuck that's yeah. nuts no thanks movie. <laughs> yeah it's just like a super like uh like that 70s edge you know what i mean where it's just like yeah. they do the very most simple of things and it just really yeah adds to that scene like to that particular scene and and mm-hmm. those effects and you're just like i wish it was kind of like i wish people did more of those practical effects and I, there's a lot of movies that still do and mm-hmm. i i really appreciate the people that can implement that in their films because i'm like that is beautiful and i love it, it takes ingenuity as well so it's just oh, really yeah. nice to see it's great um so the truck driver just pisses off down the road i don't know why he wouldn't go get in his truck And Sally is trying to keep up with him when a pickup truck drives by Sally who manages to climb in the back and the pickup truck continues driving down the dusty road. It's beautiful breaking dawn movie scene. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a brand new day. Uh, Sally laughs maniacally at Leatherface as she makes her escape. Leatherface swings his chainsaw around in frustration and rage in the middle of the road. Love it. And his Beautiful. rage as well. I think the reason we're all just so like taken aback by it, beyond just the way it looks, is all the shit we were talking about throughout all of this is that Leatherface is the one who has the most understandable emotions at this point. <laughs> that you don't want Sally to get killed because she's pretty cool throughout the whole movie and it's such a cathartic moment of like, oh she made it. But at the same time, yeah. like, Leatherface, man, your day sucked. New day really sucked. (laughs) I can't believe those people just kept coming into your house. Yep. I'd swing that damn chainsaw too. I'd be just I'd be so mad. I'd be screaming. I'd be I'd probably hurt myself with the chainsaw because I'm just really unco. So he did. So he did. To be fair, he did have a wrench thrown at his head. This is fair. This is fair. (laughs) The the swinging and stuff he did quite majestically, actually. Yeah. Strong Was that on when he did that? The chainsaw. Yeah, but I think it was chainless. Oh, okay, thank God. Because, like, I'm just a... I like safety. Safety first, everybody. There was not a lot of safety in this movie. <laughs> Don't tell me that. That just does things to my brain where I'm like... Well, I mean, the only person who really got hurt was Marilyn. You know, with yeah, the in the... That was a deliberate injury. Yeah. Which is... Did she know up, he was going to do that? Hell no, no. It was a really... Oh, that... oh fuck! And this is before, like, safety codes and stuff were really a big thing in movies, and... The, yeah, it was the working conditions. Like I, I personally wouldn't blame Gunnar Hansen a lot. I blame him directly because he didn't. He should not have done it. But yeah. knowing that it was like fifty degrees in there and they were hallucinating from how sick they were. Yeah, I can imagine you if you think it's such a simple thing. I think if he had asked her, she would have been like, "Go for it, dude." But yeah, they wanted to get that shock, so he kind of. I mean, in fifty degree heat, you're like, "This is a good idea." Yeah, but this it's is like a it's good not idea. his job. You, you tell you tell your director True. and you you negotiate that kind of crap. But hey, it's the director's. He was the one who's like, "There's no air conditioning, and we're gonna have meat everywhere, and this is everything was rotting. They had milk on the table. Oh, and stuff okay. Because... One of my worst things that I hate the smell of is milk. Just even fresh that. milk. Ugh. All right. Yeah, I do like milk, but it. it doesn't I, do, I hate take the smell. Long to just yeah, the smell can get really. Just stomach turning sometimes. Mm. 
another funny fact, by the way, that we didn't point out, but I love that at the beginning of the film with the hitchhiker, he's talking about head cheese with Frank. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I love head cheese. And then they have a cow's head on the table. Full, it's just proper head cheese. And I'm like, this is the one actual dish you have available in this movie. And it's the weirdest one. <laughs> what is head cheese? Well, as they describe in the film, head cheese is when you, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, butchers don't waste anything of the animal. So they're yeah. also going to repurpose things like the hooves and the tails and stuff like that, too. So head cheese is like, well, there's meat there. There's tendon there. There's plenty of edible parts of, you know, the insides of your head. Yeah. So rather than making some fancy dish out of the brain like you would in France, they're just like, why don't we just boil it down, get rid of all the really sticky tendon bits, and then it'll congeal because it'll, you know, you you refrigerate it long enough that you can get all those parts to like amalgamate into one bit and you keep it inside the head and you just eat it straight off the, the cow's face as a delicacy. Oh. So okay. it's gross to look at. I've never had mm. it, but you know, I've eaten like chicken livers and hearts and stuff. So yeah, I'm that's fine with totally me. Fine with yeah. Yeah. But it is this cow's face staring at you while you're doing it. it yeah. Crazy. I'd be like, mm, I'm not okay with that bit. Yeah. The worst I've had was like fish with a head on it. And I was not, interesting oh really yeah see my opa's wife is thai and she used to cook like a whole fish and it'd be like basil and chili and lemon and oh my god it was so tasty she makes the best food i've had mackerel that way but it's just something about it just looking at you like hey Uh, i think i think she took the eyes out because my my opa used to (laughs) like to eat fish eyes um oh okay I can see that. They're probably very salty. (laughs) Disgusting. Anyway, so that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original. One of... You know what? I'd put it probably in my top exploitation films. Yes. Uh, There's a wonderful book you might be interested in called The Rural Gothic. It's by Denise M. Murphy. And uh, I use that for my own research before. I have it somewhere in a shelf here. It's a really easy read. I really loved it. And what she does is she maps out different types of gothic storytelling in rural environments in the United States and the South. So it's a Southern Gothic, but she's trying to make her own academic terminology out of it. And one aspect of that is what she calls hicksploitation. So it's these exploitation films about backwoods society. So you know, you have the two different types of backwoods horror that you can get. You have the one that we see here in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where you have the urban goes into the rural and gets kind of attacked because they're in an environment they don't belong in. Or you have it the other way around, where the you know the hauntings of the past from the rural start to infect the urban. I think a good example of that would be something like Candyman, where you know you take something that's more ancient in nature or something that's more about poor rural society that gets involved in an urban landscape wrong turn that's another one as well yes i was thinking like wrong turn devil's rejects hills oh no hills have eyes yeah see the hills have eyes somewhere in the middle because (laughs) it's yet again an area where they were put down and made that way devil's rejects as well i think that's a yeah that's a great example of the rural going into the urban Whereas you have the the first film, House of a Thousand Corpses, is oh, one of my the favorite movies. Goes into the rural. Yeah, they did yeah. a great job of homaging the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in essence, but then just said, "But what if you just love the villains? 
Like, <laughs> oh, you can't help but love them. Yeah. The Firefly fam- family are probably my favorite horror movie villains. They're so wholesome with each other somehow, with being so vile. And so sick in the head. Yeah. Oh, it's They're so I, hateful, but it's what bought, like brings them together. Yeah, and I and and I think I have a hard time explaining that to people who would be like, "Why do you like that movie?" And they're like, "But a lot of people haven't seen it, so they're like, A House of mm. a Thousand Corpses.'" And I was like, "You don't get it. You don't get you it. You don't get it. No. You don't get it. Don't worry. It's <laughs> there's not. There, uh, no, it's not like that." <laughs> Until about the end, then it does. Until, yeah, like I mean, <laughs> don't, don't ruin the ending for him. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll watch that tonight instead of Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> it's a good watch. I have it, it on VHS is. here. It's so good to watch a VHS. I ah, uh, I have. I actually bought it on a double DVD, Ooh. and I don't buy DVDs. So, oh well, I've started. Sorry, because I'm like, I need all of. The physical media it's yeah and i'm really enjoying um the like um special editions and like the deleted scenes and interviews and commentaries mm-hmm. and i was like you don't get that on netflix not on do netflix you? you do get it on amazon oh really you can, you can pay for it in certain uh releases on amazon prime oh okay cool i haven't i think i've only hired one or two movies on amazon prime mm-hmm. Because it's got to be available here, so. Fair, yeah. The, the one here isn't really good either, mm. uh, but you know sometimes they'll have like a little bonus feature that you can use. But yeah, nice. no, DVDs and Blu-rays—that's the way if you want to get your you know extra material. So fun thing about the special DVD package that I have for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre—I don't know if you have the same release there, but the the case is so cool. It's very thin. It's hard plastic. And so it even has like this little clasp to open it up and stuff. It has Ooh, a really nice poster on fancy. it. On the back, it's made to look like packaged ground meat. Oh! So it, it has the texture of it as well. I love it's it. Such a good detail. That's awesome. I um, I don't know. I'll have to keep a lookout for it because I don't know um, if it has come to Blu-ray or DVD here. Considering how long it took to get there in the first place, you know? Yeah. It's not yeah. high demand for releases, I think. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I don't know if people would have been super stoked on it here. Right. I don't know. That's just the vibe I get. My dad was a teenager in the 70s, so I'm like, mm-hmm. would you have liked it, Dad? He actually went and saw um, Phantasm in cinemas when okay. he was a teenager. I was like, Dad, oh, cool. you are so cool. But it wasn't <laughs> called Phantasm. It was called something else. Um... It had a different name when it was released here. Okay. So, um, yeah. So he called it that. And for ages, I had no idea what he was talking about. Okay. And so I was like, what are you talking about? And then I finally watched Phantasm. And I was like, that's what dad's talking about. It's this movie. Because right. my dad's like, it's a really tall man. And he works at the cemetery. And I was like, uh, <laughs> more details, please. <laughs> yeah, really. Do you know how many movies I've seen with exactly. that description? <laughs> All right. So before we outro, my question that I ask everyone on the show mm. is, what is the last horror movie you watched? The last... Oh, let me think about that for a moment, because I've watched <laughs> so many movies recently. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I've, I've watched like a lot of like comfort films recently, so like Disney movies and oh, really? 
like rush hour you know shit like that i love that uh, movie i mean technically the texas chainsaw massacre was the last one i saw i think but before then i think it was braid was the last one that I saw. oh i haven't seen that but i see um someone i think who we both follow on twitter posts about it a lot and i'm just like i need yep. to watch this movie they're the ones that got me into it and, oh cool <laughs> uh this movie it do you like a queer horror film yeah of course all right check it out like <laughs> it's very uh, the screenshots <laughs> i see posted about it and i'm just like oh all right i've got to find it i'll find a copy of it what i love is that the person in question has shown so many stills from this film and spoken at length about it and yet not a single detail has been spoiled. Yeah. I watched this movie thinking I knew what I was going to watch. <laughs> and I was like, what? This is such a cool movie. I had no idea it was going to be this. So. Oh, uh, okay. I'll have to check it out. I could highly recommend I don't want to spoil anything. So even for listeners, just saying Braid is the last horror movie I saw other than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's worth checking out. Amazing. I might be called something different in, in your area, though. So I'll have a look. I'll have a look. Or something. And I'll post yeah. it up. Um, I actually finally watched Tourist Trap. Oh, the original. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I don't know That's if you saw my one. Twitter post. I didn't so, see that one, no. Watching it, and you know how there's like all these scenes with mannequins and stuff? Yeah. So my four-year-old niece went through a phase where in every store that we went into while we went shopping, she needed her photo taken with the store's mannequins. Oh, like all of them? Just one. She just needed just a one. photo. Okay. Okay. But she'd be like hugging it or holding its hand. Oh, it's like it's Madame Tussauds or something. You're just like, here are my wax statues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the stores knew Luna by name. They'd be like, Aww. hey, Luna. And she'd like, they knew she was coming in to get her photo taken with the mannequins. Because she'd get my sister. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> she'd like dance with them and stuff. And I'd be like, Aww. oh my. You're, you're cute, but also creepy. I love it. But yeah, I she's my spooky niece. I get That's it. Cool. Yeah. She's she's a spooky kid. <laughs> that movie's just off kilter completely. I, I was just like, what am I watching? I love it, but what? <laughs> Have you seen the House of Wax remake from the 2000s? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the reason why that movie bothered me when it first came out. I, I love it more now, but was, I'm a big fan of the Vincent Price House of Wax. So I was yeah. just like, where is this movie? This is not a... You just named it the same movie and didn't do any of the same things. And then I saw Taurus Trap about a year or so ago. And I was like, oh my God, it's Taurus oh. Trap. They just, they remade Taurus Trap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually watched Sleepaway Camp finally as well. So <gasps> now I get one. it. I get it. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. I was like, fuck yeah, you fucking just... I hated Judy so much. When she died, I was like, good. When she gets it. And she gets it yeah. good too. Oh, Fuck man. you, Judy. Have you seen the Dead Meat special on this yet? No, no, because I, I won't unless I've watched the movie. So no, that makes sense. So fun yeah. thing is that they were, I don't know if it was on the actual Kill Count or if it was on the podcast, but they okay, often have like a bunch of collections for memorabilia. And the best memorabilia they have, they mentioned in the Q&A, is that the actress who played Judy, they actually sent her a copy of like the same model uh curling iron <laughs> and got her to sign the package <laughs> no that's way! some fandom right there fuck that's so cool 
Yeah. That is really cool. That's how you do memorabilia. <laughs> yeah. I would die if I got that. And it's because I hate I hated Judy so much. Mm-hmm. Apparently she's really I... cool. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Oh, wow. All right. So thank you so much for our amazing talk about this film. I have had my eyes incredibly opened and I appreciate it. I'm happy to have been a part of it and opened the eyes the way that Sally had her eyes open through most of the film. Yes. Very deer in headlights. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Scared. Not deer in headlights stupid. Deer in headlights scared. No, that would Um, be the hitchhiker. (laughs) That'd be... (laughs) (laughs) So where can listeners find you and your podcast? So you can you can mostly find me on Twitter. My handle there is at underscore shockaholic. And I just talk about horror and just my basic feelings and stuff on there. So if you're not interested in that, maybe you should check out my podcast page, which is at Beauty Horror Pod. Uh, if you're ever interested in maybe reading some of my stuff, I have bylines at We Are Horror Magazine. I have, am a regular uh, staff member for both Ghoulish Media and Morbidly Beautiful. And I also have bylines at Film Cred and hopefully more in the future. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just so thankful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun, so I'm very thankful too. Yes. So uh, thanks once again to my wonderful guest. Please check out Chandler at all the places mentioned and, of course, the podcast. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me at catstead underscore still battling against the original at catstead. And of course, follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TGIFpod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday. (sighs) 